Hello and welcome to another episode of the Needle Mouse Podcast. Episode 4, Music. piece of intro music was composed by Miles. Hi, Miles. Woohoo! Yes. Happy to do it. Hello. Yeah, he- hello, Miles. Um, and uh, so, <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, it's really good because I've been wanting, been wanting a theme on this for a while. But uh, you're not the only person who's dabbled in music. In fact, we have our other host on the show is someone who's done a lot of music stuff, uh, Red Rapper. <clears throat> hello. Hey, what's up? Hello, uh... So, Red Rapper, um, first of all, um, a.k.a. Zaid Tabani, and apparently I didn't pronounce that correctly, but uh, Red is so used to people mispronouncing his name, apparently. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I don't fucking care at this point. <laughs> okay. Well, essentially, um, so yeah, um, obviously, I remember, like a lot of us, we were back in the old, we all joined that community well back in the old days, and um, I actually... As I've kind of said to you before, um, I've actually been kind of following, uh, you know, it's always nice to hear updates on you on the lot of stuff you've done since then. Because, like, even back then, I mean, even with the name Red Rapper, you know, you clearly liked music and rapping. So, um, so like, do you want to talk about that? Uh, like, how you, you know, you're all interested in that sort of stuff? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, well, back when I, like, just joined the whole community and everything like that. Um, I mean, the, the main reason I joined was just because, uh, I mean, I was a Sega kid, so, yes. uh, everybody else had, like, Genesis's and everything like that, and, well, no, I had a Genesis, everybody else did not, and, like, I was like, oh, man, I really want a Saturn, and everyone was like, that's fucking stupid, why would you, no, <laughs> why would, why would anyone do this? So, uh, like, you know, I, I was obsessive about, like, games like Jet Set Radio and all that, so... Um, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I, I started rapping cause I didn't have any friends and I saw some, someone in my class had memorized a song and, uh, like, like one of the songs on MTV or something. And, uh, people like seemed to enjoy his company. So I was like, Oh, well, if I get that, then people will like me. So I memorized a song and like, like that was on MTV and people were like, Oh, he's cool for like a day. And then I was not cool anymore. And then I just kept doing that. Like, so I was cool for like 24 hour periods. And then I was like, well, I'm going to run out of like songs for this artist catalog to memorize. So I have to just start writing my own. And I was like nine years old and writing these really bad rap songs. Um, (laughs) And then uh, the Iraq war happened. Uh, And I don't know if you can't tell by my voice, but I'm like, I'm pretty brown. Uh, I'm like kind of Indian, Pakistani, like very like Middle Eastern looking, and so uh, my life was immediately changed after 9/11. It was like very hard for me to just like exist in general in like the United States. It was very tough, like a lot of racism, um, and then also trouble at home and everything. But uh, I started like 
uh, I was listening to like more and more kind of hip hop stuff, you know, because I wasn't super into it, you know, like at first. And then I started to get more and more into it. And, you know, um, I remember listening to, oddly enough, like an, like an Eminem album, because at the time, like there was this whole thing that, oh, man, you can't say anything bad about uh, like the, the, the Bush administration or the war. You're not American. You have to like hate brown people or you're not American. Uh, and you have to hate Muslims or you're not American. And I saw, uh, I, re- I heard this album and it just said, you know, the Iraq war is bullshit. All this is fucking a lie. You're going to get shipped off. You're going to die. Like all these things that I wanted to like hear somebody just say out loud. And I was like, oh, you could do that with hip hop. You don't have to do the same old bullshit music. And so immediately, like I gravitated towards that. And then I discovered like Tupac. I discovered Biggie. I discovered, you know, Talib Kweli, Jedi Mind Tricks, Jay Dilla, all these major like artists that, you know, and this just the 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 openness of the whole genre, um, and I kept doing that for a little bit, uh, just really getting into hip hop. But again, I I grew up in Irvine, uh, in uh, Orange County, which is, you know, I mean, like Orange County was Corona Protestville, so you can see how it's very hard <laughs> to deal with that. Um, and then, yeah, growing up there, like I was told like rap is in music and everything like that. So there's another hurdle I got to overcome, even though like when I was a kid, people thought it was cool. So like <laughs> rap is not music. It's not real art. And, you know, anime's trash and all these nerdy things and things I like are dumb. Um, so I just kept dealing with all that and, uh, you know, didn't get to walk to my high school graduation, which sucked. Uh, and. Huh? Went to community college, uh, started doing like more theater stuff, and you know, Wait, like you music here and there. You didn't get to go to your graduation. I didn't get to walk for my high school graduation. Yeah, so like, I mean, I'm I'm very long winded, so I'm just gonna cut to the chase. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much, I didn't get to like, I had like failed a couple classes, and it, it, but it turned out well at the end because so okay. uh, went to community college, uh, got into like Street Fighter a lot like like uh like third strike and then uh i joined that community and i started rapping for them and i don't know if you know in southern california is like around this area i rock like around orange county i'm not i don't live there anymore but like around that area like the best players in the world live so like uh you know right at the beginning of that whole esports like boom when they started streaming on like justin tv i was around those people in that garage and I was rapping, and so they put my stuff on stream, and then that got viral. And then Evo asked me to rap, and that got viral at Evo's like at at the Evo uh, tournament. And then uh, Capcom asked me to rap in their commercial, and I just started doing video game rap for a few years. Um, but yeah, the commercial the community. The commercial was for Street yeah. Fighter Four, wasn't it? Right, yeah. So, okay, I'm skipping to it, but yeah, I did a commercial for Street Fighter Four. Oh, sorry, I got uh, no way. Yeah, hmm. I did uh, the 3DS. I remember you posting it. The 3DS. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, I did the Evo uh, World Championships theme. I did stuff for Red versus Blue. Cool. Um, like I just did a lot of mainly video game themed music stuff. Uh, I was a voice in Dive Kick. Uh, yes. So I was like well known, but like you know. I think there was a project that I did that never came out, and it was like a video project. Because again, I was still told like, "Oh, rap is in music," so I'm like, "Oh, this is a fad; it's gonna fade out." Because I was doing video projects and everything, and a lot of that faded. 
and I was like, oh, I got to go back to, to school. You know, I was overweight. Uh, I was very close to like incel dumb and like, you know, hating myself and all that. Um, and uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get into film school, you know, and I got rejected from every film school that I applied to. And I had a friend who wanted to try to go to Berkeley uh, College of Music. And I never heard of Berkeley, uh, but he was, but I looked it up and it was the, it was the biggest uh, like music school on earth. Like it's it's the it's the number one like professional music school on earth. Like for for from the industry is just mined from Berkeley graduates and everything, um, you know, and and others. And so. I was like, well, I have nothing to fucking lose. So let me just see what happens. And I wrapped up my audition and I got in. Nice. Second rapper in history to get into that school. Nice. Uh, did that for four years. Uh, went viral at that school for this beef that had happened on Reddit. Uh, and I, me destroying some kid and <laughs> he <laughs> dropped out. And then, uh, and then yeah, I, I graduated at the end of it. Came back to California, and, you know, here I am, uh, just kind of working from there. I've done, like, a lot of sync work since then. Uh, I've lost a lot of weight since then. I lost, like, I lost, yeah, a lot of weight. Um, and, yeah, just my life is, like, without that, my life would have been a very different, you know, I, I just learned a lot about, you know, just how to be more social, how to be more honest, how to be more myself. Um, but, Yeah. That's 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 pretty much the the long story that should have been shorter. No, it was good. It was good. Uh, no, I liked hearing the whole. I liked hearing the whole story. It was, boy, I, I to be honest, it's kind of like um, yeah, I had a couple of things that I you know you, you, you that that's pretty damn amazing. All the stuff you well basically pushed yeah, got, through to get to where you are. Yeah, you have a compelling up and coming story. It's very cool definitely thank you yeah i mean it's it's definitely not what i thought i would be i would be doing or 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 into i mean like there's still like issues with like just even getting around with you would think because hip-hop is so popular in in you know like uh in california and other parts of the country you know like it would be easier to get more gigs and everything as an artist for hip-hop but it's still pretty hard unless you have like i don't know uh, social media politics is tough these days. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 an understatement, and also connections. Uh, I mean, n not not to name drop here, but I'm I'm totally going to. Uh, but I once interviewed Howard Drossen, who basically he did a lot of classic, you know, Comic Zone soundtrack and and uh, Sonic Spinball soundtrack, and um, nice. But also, he also did actually he he did the soundtrack for the Man with the Iron Fists, which was. Which was a which was a pretty actually I kind of like that. Uh, sorry, isn't that RZA who did that? Yeah, pretty much. Yes, that's it. I I didn't know that. I didn't. Know, I forgot the guy's name, but I know that he was. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, you wait. You interviewed the RZA? No, I didn't. I interviewed Howard Drawson, who did music for that film. Oh, okay, okay, got you, got you. Okay, I was like, shit, man. You interviewed no. the RZA? You like, no, damn I'm, I'm not that cool. Okay, <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Um. But uh, he was talking. One of the things we did talk about is just how to get how you get jobs <laughs> in uh, California, and basically it came down to you know it's both being able to do your stuff, which but also who you know, 
I mean, he, he didn't Yeah, shake. but I mean, like, so this is the way I described it to everybody else. Because, like, even when I was going to Berkeley, my, especially coming from, like, a, an immigrant family who don't understand how this industry works. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that you have to understand is that most people don't understand how the music industry really works. Like, even people within the music industry who are trying to get into the music industry just don't understand how it works. So your thought for how you usually get a job is you have a resume, um, you reach out for a job opening, somebody sees it, they interview you, they like you, they interview you again, and they give you the job and they pay you money and you have to go there 40 hours and do whatever you do, right? So that's the thought of how you get a traditional job. And everybody thinks there's this uh, romantic idea of the music industry is like, oh, well, if you're a musician, then you have to just be really, really fucking good at music. And <laughs> someone's like, hey, I think you're a star. And then <laughs> they give you uh, like a recording contract and you sign it and you get like a billion dollars. And then you just are fucking rich and you just sing and then everybody loves you. Uh, and then you just get a bunch of cocaine and you die. <laughs> and that's literally their, everybody's thought about how the music industry works. And it's not. It's, pr it's pretty much, one, like the people you see with like the mansions and everything like that, that's like the top tier of that industry. Like even then, like they don't really have mansions. Like so uh, most of the time, you know, it's, it's actually kind of the same thing as the resume and everything like that, right? You have a body of work and a resume of what you've done, right? Yeah. And depending on what you're doing, if you're an artist, if you're a songwriter, uh, you know, like even that's a whole thing. Like being a songwriter in this industry is like, you know, you're in a room with four or five other people and you're trying to make something work. And it's a really cool, like, thing. But, like, um, you, you pretty much have, like, a catalog or a list of things you've done, uh, you reach out to somebody to advocate for you. You reach out to someone and say, hey, are you willing to pretty much um, fund me making work for you and everything like that on your behalf? And they interview you a few times. You sign a contract under that interview, which, by the way, you would do in any other job. You sign a contract, an employment contract. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that that's where things change a little bit, just in, in, in how money is dealt out. But uh, you go, you... You do like your your work and everything like that, and you deliver your product to your client, right? And then um, you go on your merry way and try to do it again and see if you're re-upped for another year. You know, it works differently, and you know a lot of people in the industry uh, don't want to be like just songwriters. They like to be behind the scenes because that's also a fun aspect of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. For this for this track, like, there's about forty or fifty people on this track who you guys have probably never heard of who are monsters in this industry, like who are insane monsters in this industry. Like, uh, uh, Masahiro Aoki, who mixed the track is works for, uh, like has done stuff for street fighter five. I mean, I've done stuff for street fighter and red versus blue and everything like that. There's a ton of people who have heard of me. Um, substantial has done stuff for new job with new Jabez, Right. Okay. Um, wow. I, I don't think we've, I mean, both Miles and I know it, but I don't think we've uh, properly introduced the track you're talking about right now. Um, would you like to? Well, well we, we could talk about it later, but I, basically I just wanted to say like, uh, yeah. pretty much like the, the, there's a, there's this idea that 
getting into the music industry is is difficult, which it is. Yeah. But it's mainly difficult because of the myth behind it. Like it's like any other job. Like you have to kind of punch at it with no return. Like punch at it and add value in a way that other people because it's a service industry. I think a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. this. You're a, this is a service industry. Your your job is to add. Like even if you're an artist, your job is to make content that adds value to somebody's life. And so that's why a lot of people who are like, well, I'm making real music, man. Like. Well, but your music is very self-centered, so it's not going to like really mm-hmm. jump out at anybody else, and you're not doing anything that anyone else hasn't already done. Even stuff you say that sounds the same over the radio, it works because everybody's talking with the same conversation, and everyone's ears are tuned a certain way, you know. And you know that when that plays, people know the song, so they're like, "Oh, that's great." If you can do that, then cool. But like, there's a lot of I mean, there's a million avenues you can get. You don't have to do the same music as everybody else, but you have to understand the context of what you're doing and add value with the music you're making. And I think that's lost on a lot of people. And when I learned that, like, I was like, oh, okay. Suddenly I'm getting a lot more work and suddenly this makes a lot more sense to me rather than just like, oh, look at how talented I am. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually... Oh, go ahead. Uh, you, You first, Miles. Sure. I actually wanted to ask too, um, if I may, like if, if you had any, when you were getting into this industry, if you had any sort of those visions of grandeur and, and you kind of like got smacked down a little bit or were you a bit more grounded trying to get into it? I definitely had visions of grandeur, but they were the wrong visions of grandeur. You know, like I think the frustrating thing is that the visions of, first off, if the industry was exactly how I thought it would be getting into it, it would kind of suck because the idea is that, uh, look like, cause the thing is times change and it's very easy to get into a place where the landscape of music changes and you think you're not talented, right? Like I'll give you an example for rap, especially, um, for hip hop, like a lot of people don't like hip hop. Uh, sometimes for really like warranted reasons because it's just not their style of music and sometimes for really fucking stupid reasons because you know they are you know influenced and they think that it's not real music or whatever the fuck they want to talk about but regardless is hip-hop in general has been usually that and EDM have usually been the cutting edge of tech in music like regardless of what you want to say like consistently music is about pushing soundscapes on people and seeing what sticks. Like, rock is the same. All genres are the same. That's how it is historically. So, uh, if you're doing hip-hop and, like, you're trying new different genres and everything like that, I completely forgot what my point was going to be. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, what was I talking about? What was I talking about? You? What was your question again? Sorry. Sorry, it was just kind of whether or not you kind of... Um... Went into yeah, this yeah, industry okay. with stars okay. in your eyes. And... Right, 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 right. Okay, okay. So, like, when the trend changes or when the genre changes, because you're not trying to make music else, but your music has to exist along with everybody else's and has to make sense in the context of everybody else making music. Like, you don't like that. You don't have to like Drake or YBN Corday or any of the mumble rappers, but your music has to exist alongside them and when people have a choice between turning either of them on, they have to turn yours on. Not everybody's brainwashed. Most people are not paying attention to the politics. They're just like, I want to listen to something. And this is, this sounds dope. It's easy to listen to. Let's go with it. That's pretty much as far as people go. They have more choice now. 
So you have a bigger chance of getting noticed because music is a search bar on Spotify. But like the thing is that like you have to have uh, like if, if the industry was like it was before, a lot of times you're going to think those new artists who you who everybody likes or who are doing so popular are more talented than you. And you're going to be like, oh, they're not real music. And you're just going to get into this rut and do the same shit over and over and over again. That was something that happened before I went to Berkeley where I was like, fuck, like, uh, Drake isn't real rap. This isn't real rap. I know real rap. And these people aren't there. <laughs> and I got there. And, like, if you go to that school and you listen to people play, like, the first few weeks, you're like, what the fuck is Holy shit. All of a sudden, the standard is completely changed for you. So you're like, okay this is the standard and I was playing with these people and I was like, and they like my stuff. And I was like, man, like I don't like Drake and everything like that. And they're like, yeah, 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 shut up though. And listen to what he's doing. So you know where you're going or what you're aiming at when you hear it. Right. So again, sorry for the long windedness, but, (laughs) um, the, the, the rosy eyed part of me was like only talent survives here. Everybody's talented. Like the when you go come from that, like even people you don't like in this industry are talented. They're they're a hundred percent talented. What really is the defining factor is how long or how much you work on something, and like it's because it's experience, talent, and skill, right? You know, mm-hmm. like like oh, experience, talent, and hard work, right? Hard work is is important because it's in the moment and it's and it's how hard you're pushing something experience is huge because it's the amount of hours you work right yeah and so many people put hours and hours and hours into stuff and do stuff small things that nobody else did right and then at the end of the whole rainbow like at the end of all of it like the small defining factor if you put in enough hours with somebody else you both are like are the last little factor that'll push you is talent like if you're the most talented person, that's the last little factor that'll push you over the hump. Cool. And then that's you're cool. There. Cool. Right? Yeah. So, which means that it's much more possible for you to do things. That's okay. like so. It's not really that bad. It's just you know you have to understand what the what the context of shit is. Okay. Um, in order to make it work. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> uh, please. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so in a lot of ways, uh, you know, your job is to deliver an experience to the, you know, customer, to the user in a way, just like any other sort of uh, user experience. And the only difference is that you've got to make your own initiative about what they'll like or want or will respond to, which is its own challenge. Because it's it's similar, like in the sense that, you know, like, oh, yeah, you're it's just pretty much every other creative field is pretty much the same. Right. Like if you're working freelance, like as an artist, like you kind of are working freelance in your own, your business. Right. So yeah. if you want to sell lemonade, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like getting into the industry is like pretty much shark tank. You're pretty much <laughs> trying to convince mm-hmm. quite a few people that you're good enough to bank on. And the other thing is there has to be a tangible thing to that. Right. Like a lot of people said, don't, don't <clears throat> like do something for the money. True. You don't do something for the money. But the thing with music is you can have music that is just personal and for yourself, and that's cool. But as something that is a benefit to other people and their lives, like it has to have some tangible effect on other people. Like even when I do music for Street Fighter or whatever, um, like 
I'm given a brief of what they want because, you know, if, if they want something hype, like there was a point where everybody was just asking for me to do hype tracks. And I was just getting like, I can't keep doing like hype. Tra- I've done like seven hype tracks <laughs> for these fighting games, man. Like how many more fucking hype tracks do you guys want? <laughs> and like now I'm a little bit better about it. Cause I know I have more skills so I can do whatever the fuck people want. But in the, in, in the beginning of it, like, it was it was a little tough just because I was like I don't know where I'm gonna get all of this hype from you know because I'm I'm hyped sometimes sometimes I'm not sometimes I want to do different stuff I don't know what else to rap about um, and you have to like if you're more skilled you can figure that out but um, like that's because I can't tell them like well what if I do this because I can't rap about this now like some people do that but that's really fucking bad because. Everybody on that project, that's not only like one person who's asking, that's like 15 people or like 100 people who are asking, hey man, like we really need this and it's going to make our project do well because we have this one singular vision. Are you down to be on our team? You're on someone else's team at that point, right? Yeah, I wanted exactly. to ask actually, um, you know, um, uh, Sorry, excuse me. Have you since you you do work with like teams and other artists? Have you ever felt like you've had to put any sort of like creative principles aside, or felt like you had your creative principles on the line when you're working with other people? Not really. Like I, the only times that it's ever been to me on the line have been projects that are usually pretty unprofessional. So huh. like, I don't. Yeah, like that's the thing is like I'm not like my creative principles always be honest. Um always have integrity in what you're saying right and you know uh like don't think you're the smartest man in the room like don't think you're better than anybody like be humble right so like a lot of times for example like um uh i've I've been in rooms with songwriters like i've like i've I've also worked as a songwriter right on 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 a bunch of stuff like pop stuff and stuff like that too stuff like that too what am i saying like i said stuff four times uh so i've been i've been in a room with like multiple different writers and i'm usually like you know everybody's working on lyrics and melody and everything like that the same to pitch to artists right um because you pretty much work on a song together with a really good producer they'll pitch it to an artist and the artist will be like oh cool we'll pay you for the song to go forward right that's how mm-hmm. a lot of the pop world works or like sync world uh and um in that in those rooms i'm usually the lyric guy like because i am i'm a rapper uh and i have some cool ideas for melodies and rhythm but what will take a pop art like pop lyricist like maybe like you know like 10 minutes to come up with i'll come up with it about like i'll come up with the whole song in two minutes because it's really easy for me to just bleh, vomit out words <laughs> vomit out concepts and make things sound good um yeah. so that's that's what'll happen Sometimes when I come up with a melody that I think works specifically with those lyrics and there's nothing like it's going to be the best shot we have. Again, people in the room, there's multiple people in the room who have different musical abilities who are like, I don't like that. And they'll twist it to something that's a little bit that's much different, which I don't think is as well. I think it's not going to be great. My job in that instance is to be like, hey, I don't think it's going to work as well. If I have not convinced them, I have to back the fuck off because I'm not the lead on this project. We're all in this project together. We're all a team and we're all trying to put stuff forward. And also, I'm not fucking, you know, the smartest man on earth, you know, 
Like I'm, I'm a slave to my own biases. So if I come up with a melody and it sounds bad, I won't know till it's in front of another person who is these people. You know, that's a lot of the time mm-hmm. you'll start playing a song for somebody else and you'll be like midway through, you'll be like, oh, this was a bad idea. This is <laughs> a really bad idea. I remember writing a song at Berkeley and a lot of people at Berkeley like praised me for it. This was like a couple years before, you know, a lot of Me Too. Don't worry, it's not like a like that kind of a song. But like it was a song called Hit Like a Girl. And it was about like this, it was a story song about this girl who grows up and all these people are shitty to her, you know, because she is uh, like, she's a girl and like every, every, at the end of it, it's like, oh, like they make fun of her because she has like a girl in the last verse. She becomes a boxer after she's like abused and she beats this person up and they're like, oh, you hit, you hit like Ali. She's like, no, I hit like a, supposed to be this cathartic moment. And everyone was like, yeah, good job, Zed. You did great. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good song. It's a good song. And one of this, I was working with a singer and she had come in I was like, oh, let me play you something that I did a while. I think it's really cool. I want to release it. And I started playing it while I was setting up uh, the microphone to record. And probably about, like, after, like right up until the first verse, I'm like, this is a fucking bad idea. Because, like, I, I could just feel the tone in the room. Like, why the fuck am I, like, showing this girl a song? Like, hey, see, I'm a feminist. She's like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I literally go through this shit all the time. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck are you really doing here? And, like, it dawns on you there where your flaws are. So, um, you know, if, long story long, uh, it, a lot of it is you don't have to compromise your integrity ever, right? Yeah. But you do have to compromise your biases sometimes because they're not always right. And it's usually good to do that because, you know, if you don't compromise, like everybody's built in with biases that are sometimes really wrong. A lot of people are built in with biases in parts of this country that look at my face and think that I'm a terrorist or think that I'm a danger to their family. And if they don't challenge their bias, then I'm dead, you know? Like, so it's, it's different levels, but you have to be willing to challenge yourself and that's how you, and you grow as a human being too you know yeah absolutely I'm gonna, yeah i'm never gonna throw away my integrity for a pile of cash like i'm never gonna like you know um <clears throat> talk about like i'm never gonna compromise my morals for a pile of cash but like i will like look at stuff that i'm like so pigeon held on and be like am i pigeon held on this for a ethical reason because i have empathy for other people and this is what i believe in is best is best for stuff or my pigeon held on it just because i'm being stubborn and this is what i'm used to in my art and i've never really pushed myself or tried something else you know does that make sense yeah yeah it does oh, yeah yeah I, 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 have, I have one more I have, I have one more example okay mm-hmm. i'm going too long huh <laughs> well i mean you were saying earlier you know about the music saying you know i can just you know when they want me to make music i can just you know you know you know vent all these words for the music lyrics and i'm going yes yes i do do believe you're capable of saying a lot <laughs> but seriously though I'll, I'll say i'll say i'll say this one last thing uh you guys have uh you guys know autotune right um yeah. i know but yeah autotune isn't that what um uh, yes that's what t-pain and everybody uses right so for a long time i thought man if you use autotune you're cheating right when yeah. i got into the industry i realized that most of the time people are using autotune they're not using pitch correct 
like auto tune is a saturation tool. It just makes your voice sound very ribbony too. So like if somebody can't sing, you can't auto tune their lack of singing into existence. You have to just you have to have okay. them re sing the thing. It can only pitch correct so much, you know? And that's a big thing like like, you know, learning learning that distinction. Okay, sorry for my long ass no. rants. No, it's okay. It's it's actually genuinely fascinating. I mean, this is yeah. this is the, the, the you know, it's just hearing about all these Turning about the world and you know it's touching on the industry and the art and the integrity and everything else it is genuinely fascinating yeah. agreed yeah. and i just gotta say too like because you're talking about how when you're making art you know music art um you're putting your your biases out there in front of the world it really does take an, an immense amount of courage to put your art in front of other people because when you you know when you when you really put your heart into your art you're putting a piece of yourself and your your inner thoughts and feelings and that can you feel very exposed you know putting any kind of art in front of somebody and i know what it's like to really get your head wrapped around what you're working on and and you feel your heart and soul in it and you put it in front of somebody and they're just like eh you know whatever and it feels like they're cutting you um and so i gotta give props to you for being able to take your art and really putting it out there in front of everybody um, it's got to take a lot of guts. Thank you, man. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I will take this compliment and be like, yeah, I'm awesome. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know what's interesting? Like, I, I realized, like, because I've had periods in my life where I'm like doing really well, and everyone's like, oh, you're dope. And the periods where like people don't like, there was a point after the fighting game thing where a lot of people like send hate messages, right? Oh. So and I thought, thing. like, that was bad. Well, no, but I thought that was bad. Like, here's the thing. You realize after a while that, like, that's actually pretty good. If you're getting hate mail, people say, well, if you're doing haters, you're getting doing something right. That's actually pretty true. Because in order for somebody to hate you, there has to be, like, a level of investment that they heard. That means that they heard somebody who liked you or it's popular enough that it hit their radar that they disliked you then. Because it's not a personal thing, right? Yeah. Most people who don't like your music just don't say anything about it right yeah. that's the thing silent i would rather have booze than silence silence fucking it's really sucks, profound man yeah, yeah silence shit if this thing like what we're gonna talk about in a little bit came out and nobody heard it i would not i would be like i'd feel shitty but like uh if it got came out and like and it has there's a couple comments on there which is like uh the rap part is so cringe. I can laugh at all because it's just like I mean, it's that's your thing, and it sucks for yeah. you that you're depriving yourself <laughs> of this. But like you know, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's that's the thing to keep out for. Like better when people are actively actively dislike you because it means that you have something that catches people attention. Yeah, attention. I mean, you know, so the, so yeah. If you think about all the all the celebrities like Justin Bieber, I mean, like people hate him, but that's because he's incredibly insanely successful and other reasons that i don't need to go into yeah it's, it's a lot because he's i mean there's definitely other reasons but like i think like you know it's interesting uh justin bieber is still kind of like hated by a lot of people for like different reasons and, and everything like that but a couple of years ago he in in 2015 i think he released an album and like if you have never if you were just looking at the internet like internet was like this isn't real music it's trash justin bieber just pop idol Every musician I knew was like, this album is fucking insane. 
Like, it's the one called Sorry. Like, we were all analyzing the production. We were all like, what is, what is he doing here? He was doing a lot of cool fucking tricks, like, musically, with theory and everything like that. It, it, was, it was nuts. And you don't realize that if you're not, like, you know, giving things the benefit of the doubt before you tear them down. Yeah. No, cool. that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that is, it is true, and it is utterly, you know, I, I do think it, a lot of people, a lot of people get on a bandwagon or something. I mean, like, um, and, you know, it's, it's, I like, I mean, there's a lot of musicians, I try to, like, just listen to the music that I like, and, you know, it might be some, you know, indie on the, indie artist on the, um, on the internet, or it might be some pop hit from, like, the 90s or later or something but it's just it's it's if you like a music track and it's just i i, I totally get why it happens though there's the the entertainment has a shifting kaleidoscope the patterns keep changing it's like that with every creative industry like like the way that pointed clicks in video games used to be hugely popular and they went out and then people complained because sometimes when a thing shifts you know you know it might you know the, the qualities change um, and you, you miss right. out and people like either want to return to that or they want to get something a different quality or they're just sick of a specific sort of sound and want something new and all these people are trying to like grab their hands at a wheel and try to steer the ship in a different direction which which is probably a reason for a lot of the hate which actually doesn't make sense because it implies there's only one ship which in one sense there kind of is but in another sense there totally isn't you know it's like you know, it, it, yeah. it's, it's not all monotonous. There's several different genres, styles, even cultures. Like, the music industry in America is slightly different from some of the U Europeans, but and then maybe quite a bit different from, say, China, Korea or Japan or something. Very, mu very much so. Like, the music industry is very different in every... I mean, it's kind of merging now, but, like, it's very different. Yeah. Depending on, Different things are popular in different places. Brazil, there's different stuff that's popular... And, like, you have to think about that that as, in general, too, like, from a worldwide market perspective yeah. on what's big where. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty much spot on. Also, like, we've also lived in, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming you're in Ireland, right? Yes, I am. Miles, where are you? Uh, California. You're in, we're in California. Uh, I live in the Monterey Bay. <laughs> okay, well, I live in, in Van Nuys. So like, um, okay. yeah. So like, I mean, uh, in the U.S., um, when it, especially when it comes to to music and, and sensibilities, uh, like or anything, we've lived in like a fifty year economy of like, hey, this like cause since the fifties, it's like, hey, this is the best time for music. Like people will think their era is the best, yes, ever. And when the next era comes, they don't want to change. It's just a there's thousands of years of history of just people complaining about, hey, new kids are stupid and they're fucking listening to dumb things. <laughs> yeah, that's so. always the, that's always the the case, right? And it's usually yes. because people are immediately challenged by things that just throw out the rule book. And the only way you make anything new and sound good is if you break rules. And the new rules come along, and then you break those, and then it just keeps on going. But that's how you progress. And if you don't do that, then you're you're kind of stagnant. And we also live in a boom-bust economy, which is pretty much that, hey, this is super popular right now, and then it's going to be this. Like, rap is going to be, like, just pretty much death metal right now and just do, like, really nihilistic, crazy shit. And then it's going to go back to soul. And it's going to be like that. And then we're going to... 
I mean, we just went through a redux of the 80s and the 70s, right, with music, like with Vaporwave and Retrowave being popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, that. and now, yeah, and now we're going to go back to, like, the early 90s where everything's very that. You know, so it's, it's going to constantly change and evolve. Yeah. So, sorry, I missed that last bit. Back to the 90s where what? Everything's going to change and evolve. Like, uh, eras sorry. are cyclical. So, like, I mean, like, if you okay. look at it, like, the, the 90s is kind of a repeat of the 60s. You know, like, the trends... Right now, we're going to a very 90s aesthetic for, like, hip-hop and R&B and music in general, right? Yeah. And a lot of the trends are going to be similar, but with an updated look and an updated feel and updated group patterns. And yeah. then, like, people who miss that sort of music are going to be like, oh, music is back again. And yeah. then it's going to... The era is going to change again, and they're going to be all music dead again, you know? Your era always <laughs> comes back, but, you, but in order to survive in this thing and to actually just have a good-ass time, yeah. You have to be able to be open-minded that maybe the time you're living in isn't automatically the best. There's merit to other times. Yeah. No, I, I, I guess, um, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And I mean, like I was watching a video, the cyclical things are just so damn common. I mean, heck, here's a, here's a really simple, dumb example. If you've ever done Google Ngram Viewer, they basically let you enter in a phrase and see its popularity over the decades. If you enter in Groovy, it's basically completely at nearly at zero until about 65, spikes up to an insane amount by the end, by about 1970, dips right back again by about 84, and then gradually right. ascends up throughout the 90s and then evens off at about in the 2000s. So it's like, wow. it's like this whole, I mean, even something as simple as the usage of a single word, the trends, you know, hit up and then relax and then come back up again. I know it's... Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so, um, I realized that we may, uh, may be running a little tighter on time than normal. Um, to finish things off, do you want, will we, um, or at least to, before we run out of time, do you want to talk about that big project that, uh, you know, you just recently, like in the last few days were, was recently a part of, and I think it symbolizes actually a couple of things we were talking about. It symbolizes both about how you worked with a large group of talented individuals and were part of it and made your own contribution. And also considering the fact it's something that happened largely in the nineties, now we're in the 2000, I guess it also pops up in a, in the whole thing about cyclical Very. trends. Yeah. It's very, very, it's very encapsulating of everything we just, <laughs> we just prefaced it. Um, so, uh, I, okay, it's pretty much, uh, I was in, uh, I'll just pretty much say what the thing is. So, uh, we just released this, uh, remix to Cowboy Bebop, the real folk blues. Um, what happened was, uh, me, I was in quarantine and, uh, one of the people I know from, uh, his name is Mason uh, he is a part of a company called uh, Tencent, um, but he couldn't work. He couldn't do anything. So pretty much he knows every, but every musician, like most of the musicians, he knows. He's worked with June C now. He's worked with a bunch of big people. Um, so, uh, you know, he just posted on Facebook. He's like, hey, guys, I have nothing next few weeks. So I just want to work on it. And I hit him up. Mega Rand hit him up. And Substantial hit him up. If you know those two guys, they're anime and jazzy and nerd music and stuff like that and I, street fight so all three of us he was like hey i mean we have three rappers like what do you guys want to do and he gave us a couple different suggestions and i think we chose the real folk blues i'm like yeah i'm cool with that that sounds like a cool idea 
And so there was a bunch of other people who hit him up too. So all, so we had like a full orchestral section, full like background singer section, and we just got everybody together in a group and the project just kept growing because more people kept hitting him up. And so when we had the first like thing done, the first round of it done, you know, we had quite a few people on it. And then he said like, Hey, maybe I can get Bo Billings from, uh, from Cabo Bebop on there. I'm like, that'd be crazy. And so we did it. <laughs> and I was like, that's nuts. And it's like, maybe I can get Steve Bloom. And he kind of shot for the stars with that one and tried to get that dude. Uh, and like asked a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend and got him. Oh, right? wow. Awesome. And then knew quite a few, knew, like Steve Bloom was down because it was all for charity. And he's like, okay, so now at this point, like this track is big. It's like a well-known track. Cause we had like a lot of people, we had like 32 people on there who were crazy big musicians. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, then while we were like trying to get the license cleared, uh, I was working on the video, which was a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. Like I do the last verse on the song mm-hmm. and Steve Bloom is at the end of my verse. So I'm like, that's fucking so people, me at least. And then, yeah. um, at the end of that, I'm like, okay, well we're trying to pitch it to see if, you know, we can use footage from Cabo Bebop because I only have so much I can do with people's faces. I need to have some Bebop and fucking, I have to use some footage to basically make my work edit here. So I had that footage in their placeholder and he hit up Funimation and Funimation said, hey, this is actually really cool. We, we'd be down for this to, to partner on this and everything like that, which was nuts. We were like, oh, fuck, okay. This got crazy. And so we were trying to also clear the license Sunrise, which is the which is the Japanese company, you know, that released the music, and we have to go through a cover like do it. And we were about to release this two or three weeks ago. And Sunrise was like like was taking a minute to approve like the Harry Fox covers was taking a minute to approve things. And then Yoko Kano hit us up and was like, Hey, I heard this, I actually really liked it. Uh, can we do something? And we were like, Yes. Uh, that's amazing short. yeah that's just something else but that's the thing like i i skipped a little bit of it but like a lot of the on there like i said well-known musicians in la on some games that you've probably played that are enormously like like a huge deal right you just don't know about them off top because their names are in credits and everything like that and they get a lot of work you know they're just not public because being an artist is a very different ball game sometimes you don't want that fame sometimes you don't want sometimes you just want to and just be done with it right so yeah. like you know um like that automatically picked our attention she sent her thing in um and then we had a couple more revisions of that we put her stuff in and then we got a couple more background singers in on it like i don't know if you guys have seen dragon ball super but one of the background singers on here she appears there and it's dawn uh and she voices kale in Dragon Ball Super and quite a few other things for Funimation, right? She's background singing on it. We had a bunch of really crazy talents um, on this. And then, okay, so now it's big enough and, you know, we were going to release it and we just asked Funimation to release it for us and they did. And so far, I mean, I just kind of messaged when we were talking that we sold 1,400 we thought we were... And all that goes to COVID-19 charities, Doctors Without Borders... Um, and everything like that, you know, awesome. for helping everybody. It made the top of to this on Reddit, you know, like it's a huge, it's, it's, it's gotten, I think it's over almost near 200 K views. Like it's, it's doing really, really well. Like it's a good thing. And I'm just happy people responded to it as well. 
I have a few more done with time, guys. Like, so I, I got a little more time. Yeah. Okay. Um, things that thing it it's it's been a very good thing, and like, especially for me, who's like, you know, I, I had a really sh- shit year last year because I took a job that did not want to, that I thought was going to be good and was very tough on me, ah. kind of stopped me from doing music and everything like that. Like I should have. And, you know, quarantine has been hard because of everything that's going on out there. But it's also been really rewarding because it's taught me a lot about myself. And it's it's given me a chance to get more in touch with my music and, and work hard to, to, to do things that are more positive. Even though I'm it's really scary outside. You know, I'm, I'm using my whatever I have to good effect, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I do think it's brilliant. Um, I I think the current situation has given has given a change that a lot of people have reflected on and, in some ways, amplified parts of themselves. And I'm really glad that out of everything that's been going on and some of it pretty bad, that you know you and a few that this amazing project has come to fruition and it's helped, which hopefully will bring happy, which I think will bring happiness to a lot of people and fond memories. That means a lot, man. Thank you. Are you guys okay? Look, because I know, like, I don't know how Monterey Bay is doing. Um, That's Monterey Bay, NorCal, right? And like, how's it, Ireland? It... Okay. Um... Yeah, I'm doing okay over here. Um, if all things considered, our area hasn't been hit that hard. Um, and we haven't had a whole lot of issues with like uh, protesters. There's been a small fringe group, but um, we're not really that kind of crowd over here, so we're doing okay. Um. Ireland's been doing pretty well. I mean, the lockdown started relatively early. I mean, obviously, in the case, it was measured in days difference. But, like, we locked down fairly early. We seem to have a healthy appreciation for our health workers, even though even though there's <laughs> there is some there is some crazy irony going on right now. We technically don't have a government right now, but we kind of do. It's but somehow what the government we have seems to be doing OK. But I think part of it is the Irish attitude of not relying too much on the government. So a lot of individuals are just doing a good job. And, you know, we're generally following the advice. And mostly as a country, yeah. we're just trying to make the best of it. And uh, and I, I, for myself and my immediate family, things have been going okay and well. And, yeah, so... That's good to hear. Well, especially because last year, like the last six months of last year was insane for everything in that area. You know? Um, with with the, you know like like I know that there was there were complications with Brexit and everything like that too and uh, everything and it, it was just it like I'm I'm sure that like it, it was tough I mean I'm very ignorant on the subject um, you know but I knew I hear snippets yeah I, I think I heard something about how some I think some of the Brexit preparations may have helped us with the uh, epidemic I'm not sure but uh, look Brexit is its own thing I mean like uh, it. Brexit, it's kind of funny. You're almost looking back on Brexit nostalgically at this stage. Oh, remember when our issues... <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's like, at the time, it was just so groan-worthy, and it was like, oh, remember the time when our biggest you know, dispute yeah. was, a, was, was, a, was, a, was a civil dispute over sovereignty and borders? I mean, like, you know, and not just, like, a, 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 le- a dangerous disease that's sweeping the global and forcing us to change our way of life. I remember <sighs> when, you know... You remember when you could just go out to a restaurant, you know, get ignored by everyone and just, you know, <laughs> like accosted by someone in a red hat. Now you have to watch them from home. Society is crumbled. 
yeah, I, I do just... think like I do think like one thing that is, but because the thing is like also we live in the age of the, and so like hey. especially when you're running around, yeah. like we're still in the age of the internet. People are still the internet is still disrupting things when it's not done. You know, like yeah. so I think like we're still in the middle of that, and I think a big thing about it is we're not we're not used to like we're always on the go and on the go in our heads right like yeah. that's the mm-hmm. big thing is like mm-hmm. both of those things are consistently running right the yeah. fact that we have a chance to just chill out and stay back and at the same time process this giant digital shift a little bit more is kind of good in that sense bad because economically we're in, in in trouble right you know yeah but i, think, I do see what you mean i, I think this whole yeah covid thing kind of really opened a lot of people's eyes up to you know what really matters and what what's really going on out there in the world politically class structure all that yeah i've had a lot of people before this because everybody hits you up after you do something well they're like oh hey man how are you doing uh (laughs) well uh it's great to hear from you i'm like i've not heard from you in five years uh you know um but like no, I I mean I, it's great to hear from people. But a, a lot of people have hit me up just in general um, about like, hey man, like like how are you doing and everything like that, and 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 being supportive and because you because you think about people you haven't thought about before and you have a minute to catch your breath. Like I said, like I had a bad job last year. Like I had a job paid really well. Um, the position was technically good, but I worked with somebody who was trying to get me fired for about a year. Ow. And it was really bad. I was so upset. And like, I got into a relationship, and she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, I got I, – I, I quit that job in, I think, uh, like, Mar- oh, yeah, I think in February. Because I was about to be – like, I was pretty sure he was going to try to get me fired, right? And like it, it was, it was kind of like frustrating. It wasn't even somebody who was my superior; it was somebody else, oh. right? And a lot of my work was being, like, a lot of my video work was being buried because I worked as a videographer, and a lot of my video work was being buried. And I wasn't really getting the 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 time. I took that job to support more music and and advertise my music, and my music ended up like flatlining for about a year after I'd done so well the year before. And so I was like, "What the, what the fuck? What what do I do?" And so this happening is like is bad but it's also like okay well it's serendipitous because i am getting to reconnect with the thing i wanted to reconnect with right um there are a lot of people who are much more willing especially when you're working in music like nobody really sees you unless you're putting out stuff and at a certain point it's only with whatever's in their bubble everybody's bubble is together now so like a lot more people who i've known in that berkeley la bubble are reaching out hey man how are you doing very kindly um a lot more you know there's a lot more solidarity than you because people are people aren't assholes People don't want to be assholes right it's just when you get caught up in the hype of everything and you get caught up in the fear of everything you become an asshole and it's always good to be cautious it's good to stay inside it's good to do things for other people and most people are like that it's just you know Hype, hype is both good and bad. It can, it can, it can really scare the shit out of human beings and make them do really bad things. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm repeating the same thing, but I no. think 
But I, uh, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, it is a bit of a kind of like a soft reset in a lot of ways. And I, I know yeah. I've, I've got some family members and they're spending more time with their kids. And it's like, whoa, it's quite an advantage. People are spending more time with their families. And I think you're, you're, you said, interestingly, you said something that I didn't think about before. You said it's like you had the real world level and then the internet level. And I think what you're implying is that for the last like 20 or so years, the two people have been expected to operate on both levels at the same time. And I think right. the current situation is trying to put a shock to the system that's trying to, you know, set the two apart. Because I know that feeling of constantly shifting your attention from one to the other or trying to know which frame to be in, trying to have a foot in the real world and the virtual. And yeah. with COVID replacing the complexity of how it is, knowing that you can't, knowing that I can't like suddenly go out to a group meet or a thing or just rush, race out of the house whenever I want, it suddenly is giving you perspective and you start realizing, you know, the internet level is just another way of connecting with the real world, just different. Right. It's its own tool, but it's, yeah, it's not just... Well, the, well, the scary... Sorry. No, no, you, you go ahead. Well, the scary thing about the internet level is because when the internet goes off, like the things you're still expected to show up. You can't like show up at work normally from the internet. Like now you can, but like for the longest time, like there's a lot of things, there was a lot of technology that we had on the internet that was going to disrupt things. We are all moving so fast in our lives that we don't have a time to stop by it. And we're very overwhelmed by everything. We're overwhelmed by social media and in-person meetings and everything and yada, 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 yada. It's so, so fast and we haven't, our brains haven't caught up. I think we would have eventually caught up. Um, but like this disruption has taken a lot of the pressure off of the social aspect of it and put a lot of the pressure on the digital social aspect of it. So now I will say this. I think people will be a lot less overwhelmed when things open back up, right? Yeah. In, the digi- in, in that realm, they'll still be overwhelmed by like, oh man, I have to pay bills and this is obviously an awful thing. But people will be less overwhelmed by when things open back up because they've had time to catch up digitally with everything. I'll be, I'll be real. Like, for example, like the best way I can describe it is gaming. I have a large list of video games I have not played yeah. for years. Yes. For years. I have, a, I have Steam games that I've bought like years ago. That I'm like, I've not played this game at all, right? Mm-hmm. I've played almost every game on that list. Whoa. Like, during this time. And, like, the thing is, is that, like, I, I that was a big thing with, 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 like, this job and other things. Is like, I never really got time for self-care like that. I never really got time to explore that part of myself. Because I was either all music or nothing. And, like, I never really got to, like just exist and 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 be myself and at that point you're just music fucking sucks so like yeah you have have a little bit of time for self-care yeah so having time for that i've kind of like flexed that muscle gotten that relaxation now i can be like all right let me go back to like now i want to work on stuff again you know right now i want to now i want to do now i want to do other now my brain is satisfied that itch has been kind of scratched a little bit right and so we're not all overwhelmed where we have to constantly keep moving or doing something or we're gonna like fall because everybody's in this race right everybody's like okay look pull the race back a little bit breathe and take your time on this 
and then gradually go back into in, into what you what you have, which is scary because a lot of people's jobs are in danger, which is really scary. I mean, I'm scared for that, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's good because, you know, you will get to breathe. Like, this is a bad situation that you have a chance to, like, all every time you have a bad situation, you have a chance to break up with somebody you learn about yourself. When you have a gigantic loss, you learn more about yourself. When you lose your job, you learn about what you really want, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, when you lose a family member, sometimes you Ugh. remember them. Yeah, it's terrifying. Awful. Like, now, like, I'm sure everybody's going to appreciate hospital workers and deliver way more. And if they don't, like, they're going to get bitched out, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, like, everybody at a grocery store, like, a lot of people died from grocery stores who worked their ass off. You uh, can't, like, ignore that, man. Like, no. you can't. Like, more people have died in this thing in the U.S. than the Vietnam War. Like, that's yeah. insane to me. In three months. Yeah. In I... three months. <clears throat> you think those protesters are going to be welcome, like, in a world where, like, let's be real, 60% of the people are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, people are dying. I mean, it's if, ridiculous. If you really, I mean... Just to make the hugely political thing, and I'm almost nervous about making it, I checked the New York, I compared the New York uh, death toll for uh, COVID-19 against the September the 11th, and it's just, last I checked, it was at least three times higher. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think I think it's, they said that yesterday, uh, as many people died in New York, yesterday alone, oh. as, as many people died in, in 9-11. Whoa. Yeah, okay, which is, which, which, yeah, which is what is fucking insane. It's insane, like that. That is that we're not even like that. That for some reason is not is, is somehow brushed aside, and if, like yeah. everything's being revealed. Like the thing about the internet is it reveals everything. It's a mirror. You see it, and you see everything that you are, and everything the else is. Right? You know, yeah. even Twitter. Like Twitter, I'm just so over Twitter. Like I'm like so done with it. <laughs> it's you it, know it, like. It's very passionate and it can be very distorted, but it does reflect some stuff that's going on, even if, yeah. It, it does. I mean, to an extent, you know, I realized the other day, like, I, I realized go outside. Well, not yet, but like when you can't go outside, <laughs> go message, like go text like a few of your friends and ask how many of them, not in gaming, have Twitter accounts. And it'll be very revealing because the thing is the only people like who respond in Twitter accounts. Most of the people who have Twitter accounts don't respond, and most of the people who respond in Twitter accounts respond very passionately. There's nobody on Twitter who's just like, all like, eh. Like, that's not like a Twitter thing. Like, the Twitter thing is either like, I hate or I love something, or something kind of like uh, weird, or like, or, or, or yeah. So uh, it's, it's very polemic, you know? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think Video Game Donkey did a video on Twitter, and it was just hilarious. He captured the move brilliantly. <laughs> it's exactly how it is it's 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 frustrating and even like on on social media you know the interesting thing i am very like socially anxious especially growing up growing up with like an addict in my house and uh the a big thing about that is like you know uh the 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 best way for you to like be able to talk like you're usually introverted and the best way is for you to say out loud what your reality is discuss it talk with people social media can be very like open but usually if you find a way to fall in love with what you're doing like even with music i had to fall in love with the process 
you know if you fall in love with being able to share things with people and being able to be productive and have conversations with people because it's social media right yeah you know you're not lying you're being honest and you're having conversations with people you can do that and make it a healthy thing i've figured out a way instagram which is generally a very unhealthy of people who just post kind of like their perfect PR version of themselves, right? Yeah. I found a way to make it a healthy because, you know, whenever I want to post, I post things that I'm not comfortable with. But it's something that it's it's just what I'm doing. It's just me. Like I'm yeah. I'm I'm posting me and my girlfriend playing Animal Crossing in Doom. Like fucking mm-hmm. that's like me making a bad look me making a song that doesn't sound the best right now. That's great. Me uh, posting about things that I'm happy about. That's great. This gets likes. This doesn't. You know, if you're just sharing, it's a much better it's a much better platform because you have a chance to talk with people and engage with. Them. Yeah, not, you can go and have conversations. With, yeah, they engage with you, not the, the image you're trying to project. Basically, exactly. Same with Twitter. There's a way to make those platforms positive, but yeah. the problem is, is we are in noise. The world is just all waking up at the same time and just yelling. And that noise is clouding everything. Some people are angrier than others, and some people are more malicious than others, right? So I think that, like, as you see, I'm not trying to get too political, but I think, like, the best thing is just, like, you know, you have to give love and you'll receive love. Does that make sense? I I do agree. yeah, absolutely. And in, in in Twitter, I just... I use Twitter a lot for communicating with various people I know online and also posting things I think are funny or amusing or, or things that I've made and I'm proud of. But an Instagram can be good for stuff you've made as well because it's not... But yeah, I, I do yeah. agree. I, I think... I don't know. There is... I mean, you know, you know, we do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. <laughs> it's... Yeah. A, lot, a lot of how you see the world is, what, is how you react to it. If you... The world is a way of reciprocating. If, you, if you're aggressive and angry to a lot of people, they'll be aggressive and angry to you. If you're nice to people, there's a greater chance they'll be nice to you. And, you know, right. some people seem to attract negative people. And that's and others seem to attract, you know, you know a, a positive people. It's just, you've just got to, you've just got to try to act in the way that you want people to act towards you, I guess. And just try to act the way that you you know, I, I you know try to be good to people, get support them, and you, make them yeah, make their day better. Support. You reap uh, what you sow, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a much. there's a rule in improv that uh, like everybody knows the rule that you always say yes, but the other rule a lot of people don't tell you when you're on improv team is everyone else is the most important person on stage. You're oh. not the most important person on stage. You're the least, That's even cool. if you're like, and that carries through everything. If you're the lead actor in a play, you're not there to get the attention you're there to make everybody else in that production look good yeah like that's what you're there for you're not there to fucking boost up your star the reason this project is so good Mm -hmm. is i'm 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 closing off the song it's very easy for me to be like yeah man i'm headlining this song people are gonna fucking love me because of yoko kano and steve bloom yeah i'm not there for that i'm there to make look good i'm there to make that string section look good you know because they are just as talented if not more talented yeah who the fuck am i i'm fucking whatever right some of these people have done crazy shit like i 
like like even on this po- like this podcast i'm i'm here to make you like my job <laughs> is to make sure you guys look good hosting it and your job is to make me look good as a guest like we're yeah. all in it for the other person and the thing is is that when you let go of that ego yeah. all of a sudden you get rewarding because you've done something for someone else so you get accomplishment and usually 95% of the time you will get things back you don't do it so you get things back you do it for the satisfaction of helping somebody else and that's like a huge high is being good to others yeah. you know like <laughs> you have no idea like I am I was like why why the fuck does my mom cook like that's so stupid why are you cooking for me and then when I grew up I learned like when I cook for my girlfriend and my friends and everything like that, I'm like, I feel good giving people mm-hmm. food and making them feel happy. You know, like when you when you understand you're giving other people, that is such a reward in and of itself. Yeah, you know, um, that's why I work in the restaurant industry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's that's an exchange where you give them happiness, they give you a complaint. Yeah, more often. I mean, every once in a while. But I mean, to to really drive your point home in a very literal sense, I do feel that satisfaction from being able to put put food in front of people and have them say, "Oh, thanks for this." And you know, I didn't prepare it, but I'm helping them get it because food is food is very indicative of you know the give and take that we're talking about. To me, it's 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 almost religious, you know, because food is a privilege and. And so, um, yeah, it's just food kinda, is a cultural just, touchstone. It's such a, it's such a cultural identity for so many. Absolutely, my culture is huge. And I'm I'm really passionate about what I do because I really enjoy um, making people happy. So it's just kind of um in in a very literal way. Mm-hmm. We were yeah. going to talk about sonic music. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I was wondering <laughs> when we were going to get to that. Um, yes. Um, before actually. Yeah, there was actually one thing I was thinking of when you were saying about uh, you know, the lead actor. In the Sonic movie, I always liked how, you know, Jim Carrey, uh, you know, really worked with Lee Medjdoop, you know, the Agent Stone actor. And it wasn't, he didn't just, you know, Jim didn't just, even though Jim was, you know, like, in terms of this major Hollywood actor, he didn't just, like, walk over them. He worked with with Lee to try to get the performance that they thought would help move forward. And Lee absolutely yeah. loved it and was really up for all this all this crazy stuff as they worked what would work and not. So that's a that's a good example. Um, well, like, yeah. I, I think, like, again, that comes back to, like, the service part of it, right? Which is, like, your job in, in as an actor or as any creative is like you're supposed to suit like that's the thing with like acting in general and and, and other things because i've got had to direct things for video and cast a lot of people like the reason i mean it's tough no matter what just because the in, the way the industry is and it's so saturated but a thing that immediately separates you from other people is when you're willing to like because when you're on a production it's like a hundred fucking people who are trying to make one thing and they all have to be on the same page and you can yeah. be the best fucking actor in the world and give the best performance but it's not right for what they're trying to do. So they're like, well, he's great, but like we have to shift like all of these things and that's going to be a fucking problem. So your goal, if you go in with the idea that like, what's going to make these people's job easier and better, that's going to get you a job. And like Jim Carrey is there for everybody else. Right. Production. That's great. If you've seen man on the moon, that's a, the documentary behind it. That's a production that did not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as well, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he had his humbling moments there. Okay, um, onto the Sonic music finally. So, um, I guess I was talking about Sonic tracks. So uh, let me ramble because Sonic music 
for a second because Sonic music, I just love it so much. Uh, Sonic's first introduction into the entire world was at a concert that uh, Dreams Come True uh, pop group. Yeah, of course. That's cool. Yes. Uh, Dreams Come True, of course, did the music for uh, some of his earliest. Uh, for some of the earliest tracks, but I believe, and don't quote me on this, but I believe it led to a licensing conflict of some sorts, because I know that in Sonic Spinball, they had this, they copied the the uh, theme from one of the previous, you know, the intro theme from one of the Sonic movies, and basically when they were showing it off better, like a day before release, a guy came in and said, oh, how'd you get the license for the title theme? And they just panicked, and the music engineer just had to just race down. I, I think, yeah, I think it was um, Howard Drossen back to that again, and just spent like the evening, like a few hours, putting together a, a completely new theme for uh, Sonic Spinball. So um, wow. I forget who exactly that was. Um, I mean, I could I could talk so much about uh, the soundtracks of Sonic. I mean, like I could even Sonic games have generally have a lot of have good soundtracks, and. Uh, most of them. And then you've got Sonic 3D Blast, aka Flick 3D Flicky's Island, which actually is two great soundtracks because you've got mm-hmm. one that's, uh, you've got one for the Mega Drive version, one of the Saturn, where you're dealing with completely different sound architectures and completely different things. So, um, to take a back a step, what are your guys, uh, let's, start with, let's start with Miles, what are your favorite Sonic tracks? Um, I guess I gotta go with um the japanese sonic cd soundtrack because i've just been getting really into like funk and kind of r&b stuff a lot lately and a lot of fusion jazz and uh the japanese sonic cd soundtrack uh really takes a lot of influence from that and it's just so cool and danceable and funky yeah it's a cosmic eternity is one of the tracks there right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i I, I love, I remember, I, I, I missed out on Sonic CD the first time, so the first time I heard it was on that, I think, 10th anniversary CD, which I got off of eBay to celebrate Sonic Adventure 2, so, but that was a good track. Nice. Um, yeah, and a, I guess a close second is Sonic Adventure 2 um, music, that's kind of what got me into wanting to get in, play guitar, was I would listen to the, the Green Forest theme, and I'd be like, oh, I just want to shred this so bad, and so I started learning guitar. Um so that's some really good stuff there. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, and Red, what what are your favorite uh, music tracks from the Sonic series? Um, I mean, I love. Uh, I mean, I, I I love a lot of adventure too. Uh, I I really love music in the game. Um, I think Sonic Three. That that music stuck out to me. There's just like tracks over the series that stick out to me more than others, like. Uh, Chemical Plant was pretty cool. Um, I li- I like a lot of Two's soundtrack. I, yeah. Like uh, oh, um, here's one that's overlooked. Mystic Cave Zone is that's a good one. Yeah. Like that, that like go listen to that. That fu- that's funky. That song. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, really. Hilltop Zone. That 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 uh, that series. Like that two embodies like every level pretty well. Um, yes. Three's music is very very. Uh, it's fun, like that. That whole track is fun, and the Michael Jackson. Version of that. Yeah. Um, Sonic R is campy. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'll um, give you that one. Three D Three D Blast had okay music to me. Like there's there's parts of it that it, it was also kind of campy. Mm-hmm. I loved Adventure. Um, I loved uh, Adventure Two because of the scope. Like especially during those times, like with the, with the music that was out, it was definitely like higher produced than you were used to. Yes. Um, 
and it was it was great. I think after those two, is kind of like, it's kind of a flat line for a little bit. I didn't like Heroes all that much. Yeah. Uh, music and then the music after that, but I did love. Uh, I absolutely loved uh, a lot of a lot of the newer stuff with Generation. The one before it are really great. Of course, uh, Rush and Rush Two. I think Rush Two and Rush are my favorites, honestly. Nice. Oh, yeah. A nice di- yeah, uh, <clears throat> disagreement over how, what the lyrics were for for one of them, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, which one? Um, you know the the intro for Sonic Rush. I always thought it was a um, nice. Uh, to, I always thought it was nice day, nice new day, but apparently the lyrics say, uh, "Today's the day, today's a new day." And then, of course, I think it was Miles or someone else in the chat said that he didn't even know it had lyrics. He just thought it was just noise. <laughs> but, uh, adventure, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it, like I can like play like, it if you want. Uh, I think yeah. No, it's all good. Like I think Rush Adventure is probably my my. That's an overlooked one because Naganuma wasn't involved in that one, and nice. like. Uh, like you can hear, I love Hideki Naganuma because he's such a like like he's such a like a like a like a cut like a, like a strong DJ mentality. But yeah. at the same time, um, like there are things that you can tell where like his stuff is like very pigeonholed to that, right? Which is yeah. great. Like it's it's his sound, but it's like an expansion of that sound. So it was different enough where it stood out. Um, and and I, I love Rush Adventure. I think I I don't know if Naganuma, uh, but like. I also loved uh what was the what was the other other uh I love um Rooftop Run. Ah uh, yes, one, that's a, that's a wanted, really good one. I wanted to do a remix of that, but that's so the especially Rooftop Run Planet Wisp. Those two are especially really good. Um I have not listened to Sonic Forces and I don't think I'm going to. Um mm. uh, I've not played that. Like I played that game for like 10 seconds and he made like a joke that what was it, like Green Hill Zone more like, like Sand Hill Zone? Sad Hill. I, <laughs> I straight, I straight turned it off, dude. Like I turned it off immediately. Yeah. Immediately. That game is, is it's uh, it's fun to play, but I think everything else about that game just falls incredibly flat. It just makes you groan. I mean, like, Wait, and the Avatar creation is good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think uh, it's just like it's so hard, you know. Especially like working after after working on um, on stuff like last year, like at this company. Like I've just realized that like companies fundamentally change with like personnel changes, and yeah. so you can kind of see that with Sonic, where it's like going down and then it's going back up again. I think it's the same thing with everything. Like, but he's such a beloved character, yeah. You know, with his attitude and everything. I think also uh, like the thing with games is they're kind of constrained to budgets yeah. right and at a certain point like like i mean like we all kind of know the story with the six because like the budget got slashed midway through production yeah and yeah. you know like i mean of course it's gonna fuck over a lot of things um but uh i think the cool the cool part of that is you know the movie did really well yes and that is going to be a giant budgetary surplus for anything that comes out afterwards Oh, yeah, right. definitely. Which is the so that was just, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that's that's a big thing. Is like whenever you lean into that kind of Street Fighters in that same boat right now, which is you know, when they Capcom has this habit of um, don't this isn't confirmed, but like this is just from from outsider insider perspective. Someone that's a Capcom tends to put all their money 
into new IPs or, or new big projects, like huge projects, like, oh, Monster Hunter and Devil May Cry. Like, they put all their money into Street Fighter 4, and they were cutting money in other places, like for Resident Evil and stuff like that, right? But they put all their money into Street Fighter 4, and it was this phenomenal explosion of creativity and art and great stuff. And the next couple games they did had less budget in that area, right? Yeah. And then... Finally, like, they exhausted that, and they put all their money into a new IP, which is, like, Monster Hunter and Devil May Cry, right? And those got up, but, like, now the fighting game community is, is, is low on budget, right? They'll overextend on a different IP and have that IP blow up and then pull budget from the other IP, and then they'll just exhaust and iterate that IP until it's gone, until they drain it, stuff right. like that. It's, it's a frustrating strategy, but, like... It pretty much means that you're you'll have an amazing game every few years, right? Yeah. Like an amazing genre bending, like changing the industry like game. But it means that like in terms of continued support, it's gonna be a lot harder for you to deal with that as time goes on. Like yeah. Monster Hunter is phenomenal, right? And Devil May Cry is phenomenal, right? Street Fighter kind of sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, I think it's gonna be a while till we get Street Fighter Six that, or, or any Street Fighter that's like really, really like amazing. Like Street Fighter Five isn't a bad game by any means. Like it's a good game, but like it's just it's so hard to build that player base right now, just with especially yeah. with everything that's going. On. Nah, I I I, I get you. Um, um, but yeah, I love. So, I, love, uh, oh, I, I hate to cut you guys off, but I got I'm running short on time here, so yeah, I gotta okay. start. I gotta head out. Um, okay, do you, do you have to leave right now, or is gonna? I was gonna talk about some of the Sonic music I liked, or will we leave it at that? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm so sorry. I do kind of have to leave, but if you guys want to continue on without me, that's totally fine. All right, okay. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, take I'll care. Stay for a few minutes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take care, Miles. Um, yeah. And, uh, I will catch you on the next one. Have a good right. one, Miles. All the all the best. Yeah. Pleasure. Um, all right. Um, just to, all right. Just to finish off uh, in terms of it. For me, it's not a specific. Um, for me, it's not a specific game soundtrack. I tend to always dive into individual songs. So taking it in more or less sequential order, um, more or less. Uh, Starlight Zone with Sonic One. I would play through Sonic One just to get to the Starlight Zone music, which was always awesome for nice. me. I even I even learned a bit a bit how to play that on the piano. Um, uh, second one is uh, there's always a lot of good Sonic tracks. Uh, g- there's a general baseline of good, so I'm skipping over a lot of the good ones. Uh, in terms of really good, um, Sunset Hill Zone Act Three from Sonic Triple Trouble, that was just awesome. I, I, yes, yes, and, and people know about it. It's like it's awesome when you know about this. What you think is an obscure track and you love it, and then you go online like like decade or two later and discover people are like really love it too and make remixes so it's like yes i've got good taste um i know i have a friend who did that who who had the same experience from monty on the run which with uh, like in the soundtrack there um let's see moving forward um obviously i think what was that so- i think lava lava one for the sonic 3 you know i've you know, it was just it just had that resonance to it uh, for Sonic 3D Blast or Pixie's Island as it was here for the Mega Drive version. Um, I didn't hear the Saturn track for much later, uh, and I mean then of course skipping ahead to Sonic Adventure, Believe in Myself Tails theme I really really liked. Um, I liked most of the vocal tracks to be honest, and uh, also like At Dawn as well. You know for On Speed Highway, 
as well as a bit of Emerald Coast, although it always it almost seems cheating to choose the uh, first level music because it's just so obvious and hits you so thing. But, did, you say, did you say Speed Highway? Uh, at Dawn of... Well, Speed Highway by itself is fine, but specifically I was referring to At Dawn segment of Speed Highway. You know. Yes, At Dawn is pretty great. And then... Um... Uh, I, I like the, I like the night section too. It's pretty nice. Oh no! It's uh, look Sonic move Sonic music has a baseline is good, like pretty much, um, with one or two exceptions. So I'm talking about ones that are like a step above really good. Just like I like nearly right, all of Sonic's right. soundtrack. I mean, um, and aside, after that, I was just trying to think. Oh, um, I might as well because I'm slightly cheating and being facetious. I'll throw in a look alike from the Sonic OVA because you know. <laughs> That is actually a song I actually genuinely do like, and it really, I really liked the mood is of that, it. In, uh, is that the one? Da, 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 da. Uh, no, that's that the sky. Um, I'm I that that's good too. Um, but it's the one that goes, you know, because you're on the go, because you're on the go. I was born. Oh, gotcha. I was born. Yeah. In a man, but it's the original. Yeah, it's the original. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like it. I it's. It's one of my guilty pressures. It's one of those... I have a lot of songs I know most people would groan at, but I just... It just makes me hold them tighter to me. Um. I mean, no, that... I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, like, dude, like... People who love musicals have a bunch of songs where some people roll their eyes, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, like, there's a, there's a special point to, to what they're to what they're saying, you know? Once you, once you understand the context of it. So I get it. Have you mentioned Sonic CD? Um, Sonic CD, I missed the first time around, and I still haven't really properly played the game from start to finish, too much to my shame. Um, but like I said, I did hear Cosmic Eternity, and I did like it a lot, uh, on, on the CD, on the, um, on the 10th anniversary CD, so. Um, that was the 10th Sonic Boom, Sonic Boom is pretty phenomenal. I, I like that too, um, no, I definitely did. Um, I'm just trying to think what else, it, it's kind of embarrassing Past Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adve City Escape. I mean, obviously, once again, it's the intro song. Yeah. I like that, and I liked its remixes in Sonic Generations as well. I mean, we're actually pretty lucky. A lot of these good Sonic musics gets gets remixed, both officially and unofficially. So that is really nice. Um, oh yeah, there was. Oh yeah, if if you want to talk about fan remixes, we could be here even longer. Um, Water on the Dance Floor is one that was a remix of Hydro City. Um, apparently, Nico CW did a Bridge Hell Bridge Zone Classic remix. Um, sorry, Bridge Zone Classic Sonic Generations remix. It's it's a whole thing, and I don't know. We could be there are just so many individual tracks. I could I could like like I once have had a video game music radio show and I played so much of the Sonic music on it. So, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the things with Sonic music always touch on like you know newer age styles and they always try like a lot of i mean when i was learning at berkeley like a lot of the grooves that sonic uses are very eclectic like they're not just staying in their in their in their in their comfort zone they're really smart about like it used to make fun of, like sonic adventure just being butt rock right there was a lot of samba and a lot of like afro-cuban like rhythms that were going on that were very very cool that they were doing so like it's really smart musicians there like playing sonic music in general uh, yeah, I, t I totally agree with... I mean, like... But you see, that that has to fit the purpose of Sonic. Sonic can't be exactly what you've seen before. He's always got to be moving, and the music has got to go with it. I think the music, yeah. in my opinion, is one of the greatest expressions of Sonic. It's 
it at its best is energetic. It pushes some sort of thing. You know, it doesn't it doesn't need to it doesn't need to completely reinvent itself, but it needs to push forward and do something new. Uh, and it and it just needs to get set the mood and be energetic. And uh, yeah, and I think I think I think it definitely does. And I mean, hey, it's influenced my life and and a lot of things. I have an album coming out or soon that I've, or a project I've been working on where mm-hmm. I did a song where we where we referenced or we quote City Escape a little bit <laughs> in there, nice. and it's pretty great. It's pretty great. I'm I'm I was very. It's great to like. You know, I just put the lyrics in the in the like some of the some of the quote in there for the chorus. And the guy was like, "Oh, this is really good. What is this from?" And I'm like, it's "From Sonic Adventure 2. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "All right, well, yeah. I mean, we have to like like it's it it works really well. So That's yeah, man, good. that kind of stuff is always a uh, is always a good thing. Yeah, I gotta go, man. My friend, okay. my friend. Um, All right, okay, and referencing yeah. stuff as well. Oh, um. One quick thing. Have you heard the theme since you didn't like Sonic Forces? And by the way, a lot of people groaned at that thing. You were not alone with that Sand Hill Zone joke. I was like at a I was like at a Sonic game jam and and the theme was the Sonic and the theme was kinda of like that and just there was constant references to how groan worthy that line was. Um It was so bad, dude. It was. Um but have you listened to Fist Bump at all, by the way? No, I haven't. Okay. Um I'm not gonna try I like that track and it's it's I do even it's another one of the things I'm almost worried some people find a little cringy but um, it's definitely worth the listen to the uh, title track of uh, Sonic Forces had the most random video game soundtrack it would bounce around there was a viral uh, YouTube video where a guy just pointed out how the music just constantly chaotically went from one thing to another so its soundtrack is definitely worth at least listening to especially since someone who oh I'll definitely yeah I'll definitely check it out I'm sure like yeah. yeah, I'm sure the people who play on it are very good. That's the thing about video game music. It's usually, usually like music in general, like it's people say like, "Oh, this is so bad." It's usually not bad because of because of like everybody. It's probably a lot of competent players, and then one person fucked it up, you know. <laughs> and it was a stupid mistake. Like even like Doom's uh, the Doom soundtrack, like it was just the mastering engineer fucked it up. Like it was uh. one mastering engineer who fucked everything up. And it made it way harder to enjoy that. That and it's not even Bethesda's fault. It's the fucking mastering engineer who they got to mm. to remaster the track. So it's like it's 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 just stuff like that. Like there's interpersonal stuff that nobody knows about that just screws up soundtracks. So mm. like yeah, man, I'll definitely listen to it, and I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm yeah. sure I'll enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. It's it's got its own. I think it's worth listening to for your own enjoyment. Yeah, why not? Okay. Exactly, man. All right. Well, All right, man. What the, thank you so much for having me, man. Well, thank you for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Added so much. So it was just amazing to hear all the stories and your perspective and just get an insight and just uh, learn and learn a lot more about uh, what goes on in the in the world around us. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. And sorry for my rambling. <laughs> it's okay. Take care. All the best. It was fun. You too. You, you too, brother. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. 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 And that was the Needle Mouse Podcast. Hope you enjoyed.